the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. You only get two senators. Unfortunately for Pennsylvania, John Fetterman is one of ours. It was unfortunate when he was elected back in November. Because he's a Bernie Sanders socialist, that's enough. And also because it was obvious that because of his stroke, he wasn't up for the job. Who didn't know that? A couple of weeks ago, he went to the emergency room because of lightheadedness. Today, we hear that he checked himself into a hospital overnight because of clinical depression. If you're a decent human being, no matter what you think of his politics, you have to feel for the guy and his wife and kids. He does have a wife and kids, you know. But that doesn't change the fact that he never should have finished the campaign, and the Democrats knew that. And they didn't care. And that's not good. It is, by the way, the United States Senate. Fetterman was a terrible candidate from the minute he got into the race. And it was clear to everybody who came into contact with him that he had no business taking up a seat in the Senate. Democrats were perfectly happy to take advantage of the stupidity of uh, the voters in Philadelphia and Allegheny County who voted for him by like 80 percent. Uh, And they would have voted for a mannequin if it had a D after its name. So that's not anything surprising. This is the party that cares deeply, deeply for the people in Pennsylvania. And they only cared about John Fetterman because he was a number, number that, you know, gave them control of the Senate. It's pretty obvious that he has no chance of finishing his term. He can't hide for six years. Come on. And now it's going to come down to the governor filling the spot with somebody nobody voted for. And who doesn't believe that they knew that was going to happen long before last November? They knew. Anyway, when we come back, speaking of depression, it's a huge problem for teenage girls. According to the CDC, one out of every three has considered suicide. That's just a ridiculous number. And the reason is right in front of everybody's face, by the way. And in our second half hour, how liberals are working to make sure that you have taken your last enjoyable road trip. Stick around. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, you're paying too much for your wireless service. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same 5G coverage as one of those big carriers on the exact same network, but saves the average family over $800 a year. And Pure Talk doesn't lock you into an overpriced, unlimited data contract. Why pay for data you don't need? Instead, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone and keep your number. Or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. So what are you waiting for? Start saving today. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code HALFOFF, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code HALFOFF. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over-limit charges and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills into one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt-free for keeps. 
Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here, write this down and call 1-800-990-6976. Can you repeat that? 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. My son, Finn, was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. Did you know that the average price of a used car is up over 40% from just a year ago? The cost of living has gone up and the cost for auto repairs is rising as well. The car you have needs to last you longer than ever. So if your vehicle has less than 150,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all, you need to call CarShield at 800-523-8667. We've just announced a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle service plan to help save thousands of dollars on out-of-pocket expenses for future auto repairs. While the cost for new and used cars continue to go up, CarShield offers protection plans at an all-time low. Drivers who activate their plan today will also receive 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing and emergency tire, battery, and key lockout service. Call 800-523-8667 today to save 20% on your plan. That's 800-523-8667. Keep your car protected. Call 800-523-8667. Again, 800-523-8667. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. So what's going on with high school girls? A report from the CDC says that almost one in three of them considered suicide in 2021. That's a huge increase from 10 or 12 years ago. What's causing it? Gene Twangy is a professor of psychology at San Diego State University, the author of iGen, Why Today's Super-Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. She joins us now. Gene, thanks for being here again. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. So I had you on before. I always have, like having you. Uh, and matter of fact, now that I think about it, I think we had you as a guest about four years ago saying pretty much the same thing. So uh, it's not like you just came around to this recently. So um, were, were you shocked by these numbers? You know, i uh, sad to say it, but I was not. Um, teen mental health, particularly for girls, has been deteriorating over a decade. And we have known this. Um, for at least five years. Uh, so that's one of the things that's frustrating is that we've continued to see these numbers get worse and worse. Oh, the CDC also said emergency room visits for self-harm among 10 to 14-year-olds tripled between 2009 and 2015. I guess that's as far back as they go. Those are really young kids. What could be making them so miserable? Yeah, and we actually have updated data on that. It's now up to quadrupled. Um, if you look from, say, 2009 through 2021. And the why question, that's the big one, because it might help us figure out what to do about it. Well, one thing that's happened over that time is the growth of social media. And that has a particular impact on girls, given that they spend more time on social media and the pressures that they feel in terms of getting likes and followers and comparing their bodies and their lives to other people. That's really one of the biggest changes, if not the biggest change, in teens' lives over this period. Uh, as I said, you and others have been talking about this for a long time. Were you ignored? Sort of. Um, I mean, certainly there have been many journal articles and um, researchers who have found similar results and similar um, increases in mental health. So it's it's not that we didn't have the data or that the data is mixed. It's very clear. But there were a lot of people who said things like, oh, well, you know, maybe they're just saying 
that they're more depressed. Well, if that were true, why would we have the changes in behaviors like emergency room admissions? Why would we have the changes in suicide and suicide attempts? These are things that have nothing to do with people admitting to problems. They're about actually um, behaving in a way that is linked to mental health issues. So I am not sure why there was so much denial, um, but it was there was some pervasive denial. There was a 2018 um, article by a psychiatrist in the New York Times. Says, oh, it's just a myth. Parents, you don't need to worry. Unbelievably frustrating. Um, and and you are um, a, a doctor. You're you're a, um, a professor of psychology at, at San Diego State. So you, this is not something that you just came across or, or came upon uh, recently, and you know started talking about. Um, so I think from pra- past conversations I had with you, it's pretty easy to pinpoint almost to the year when things changed, isn't it? Yeah, it was really in the early 2010s, and for a lot of the indicators, things started to go around, go wrong uh, with teens around 2012, and that's around the time that social media use among high school students moved from optional to mandatory, and it's also around the same time the majority of Americans owned a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And when you say optional to mandatory, what do you mean by that? So in 2009, about half of teens said they use social media every day. And by 2017, 90% of teen girls said they used it every day. Think about it. When you're in high school, if half of people are doing something, the other half aren't, mm-hmm. it's kind of optional. You get to that level of it being 80%, 85%, 90%. Then if you're not using it, you feel left out. So that's what you mean by mandatory. If you want to be cool, if you want to even be able to be part of your own little society there, um, you know, as a teenager, you have to, you just have to be on uh, social media. So what teens tell me is they feel like they can't win. So they feel like, well, if I don't use social media, then I'm going to feel left out. But if I do use it, then there's all of this pressure to get the likes and followers, to take the revealing pictures of myself, to scroll through looking at all of these glamorous lives, you know, all kinds of other dangers that these algorithms on social media sites are addictive. They draw people in. They, the companies make more money when people spend more time on the apps. They've poured millions of dollars into making sure that kids and teens do that, that they spend as much time as possible, and that's not a good formula for mental health. You were a teenage girl once. I was not. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering what it is about girls that seems to, uh, that, that social media seems to affect more. Um, I, I think I could, I think I just know just from the difference between girls and boys when I was that age and also seeing my kids and grandkids, the, the drama that surrounded the girls that didn't surround the boys. And so, uh, is it just like the social media throws fuel on the fire? You know, it really does because the type of bullying that girls experience, you know, for decades, centuries, it's more social, it's more verbal. And that's what social media really facilitates. Then you also put on top of that all of the issues around body image and appearance. You know, when boys post on social media, it's just like, yo, here's what I'm doing with my friends or I'm playing basketball or whatever. With girls, it's the revealing pictures, it's you have to look perfect, and if you don't get the likes and followers, then you feel like you're unattractive. So, um, a social, uh, social media aside, that, is that something that's just born into young, into females, or is it something that parents, uh, if, even if you take social media out of it, could do a better job of, of somehow reducing the drama with their teenage girls just by educating them and paying closer attention to them? I'm not so sure, because these are really, really deep-seated feelings. Even when they've shown this in studies, if say girls and young, or young women are looking at Instagram posts and there's a disclaimer on them that says, oh, you know, don't worry. People don't usually look like this. Or this was photoshopped. It doesn't matter. It still kind of hits you in the gut. It still has an effect on emotion and on depression. So I think the best solution is no social media until kids are 16 years old and actually enforce that age limit. 
by asking for ID or some other technique, then at least we're getting social media out of middle schools and early high school. So you're, you're taking it, uh, um, you're, you're, you're saying having the government make it illegal for anybody under the age of 16 or uh, making it illegal for uh, social media uh, platforms to allow anyone under 16 to be on their platform. That's the idea. And, and how would that, uh, how could that be enforced? Well, there's all kinds of ways that we enforce age limits for everything else. Mm-hmm. We don't let kids drive when they're 10. We have a minimum age of 21 for drinking alcohol of 18 or 21 for buying cigarettes. It's the same principle. Yeah, but, but it, how, I mean, I, I, I'm with you on this, but I, I think it's, I think it's a, a good idea. But uh, I'm just trying to think of how, if a 16, especially if, you know, if this law were passed tomorrow, it would be so hard to break the, the kids from, from their dependency on it. But how, how would parents, how, what, what would prevent a kid from just a 15-year-old from getting a 17-year-old's phone and doing whatever he or she wants with it? Generally, that's not how it works. People use these things on their own devices. People don't want to give their device to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose that could happen, but that would be a pretty unusual situation. If you couldn't have the account under your own name, it would take care of a lot. And it would take care of that problem of kids feeling left out, too. If nobody had social media, then that solves the problem. Then nobody feels the pressure to be on it. Yeah, and I think everybody has seen this. Uh, just a couple of nights ago, I was in a, in a restaurant, and not an expensive restaurant, just kind of a, a you know a, a, a diner type place. But um, and that, that right next to us was a, a table of six teenage girls. Half of them had braces. I mean, that's the age they were. You know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, maybe. Uh, maybe one of them drove, and they were all able to go out together. They were they were young teenage girls, and they were having a really good time. And I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, they just seemed to be laughing and talking louder than they should have, and it didn't bother me because I, I said to my wife, they're having fun, leave them alone. Then I looked over, and all six of them were looking at their phones. Th- th- they were together having a good time, and within a, like a couple of minutes, they were all staring at their phones. What, are the, what were they looking at at that moment? That's, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, maybe a funny video, but is that video really going to stick with them? Yeah. Probably not. You know, what What would stick with them is an evening with their friends without the distraction of the phone, having a really good conversation, having a really good laugh with each other face-to-face. Yeah, we're talking to Jean Twangy. She's the author of iGen, Why Today's Super-Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. Uh, and the reason I called uh, Jean is I saw the story about one in three teenage girls, according to the CDC, saying that they uh, considered suicide. Um, you, you are a psychologist, and you, you, are, you teach this stuff. Um, how much faith should people put in that number as, as far as how um, realistic it is? And I say that because I'm wondering, you know, as again, there can be a certain amount of drama involved. And how do you know which ones of those you should take seriously? You know, of the one in three. Well, here's the thing. You know, what's the harm in taking it seriously? Yeah, right. That's It's a cry for help. And given that we see very similar statistics and very similar increases in self-harm and suicide attempts, and suicide, it's not just drama, clearly. There's actual behaviors. There are actual harmful behaviors that are going on. So I think we have to take it seriously. Yeah, so uh, I, that's why I'm asking you. You you work with numbers and data, and you study this, and that number really jumps out at you. But that's just uh, amazing uh, when you think about it. One in three teenage girls you see walking down the street uh, may have uh, decided that, or at least threatened to commit suicide. That's just that's stunning. It really is. It shows the depth of the problem that we have now. And, you know, the stats for boys aren't great either. They have also gone up in terms of uh, self-harm and suicide and depression. And, you know, we just can't be in denial about this anymore. Yeah, you you wrote in your piece um, at time.com that um, hanging out in person has gone out of style. And and that's, that's um, if you're not hanging out in person, which I saw these girls in the in the restaurant doing, what are they doing? 
in in place of that, where are they when they're on their phones? Are they up in their bedrooms? Where where are they where are they isolating themselves? Alone on their phones. Pardon me. Yeah, generally they're in their bedrooms alone on their phones. Yeah, and how hard would it be for parents to not let them be in their bedrooms alone on their phone? Well, you know, it's, it is tough. I have, I, I, I have parents too. I have uh, three girls, two mm-hmm. of them are teenagers. And a lot of times it's, oh, I'm doing homework. I'm doing homework on my school laptop. So parents are in a tough position. This is one of the other reasons sure. I think we need a lot more regulation is that kids can open social media accounts without their parents even knowing. Yeah. Well, and I know this is a totally off the subject and a different issue, but it's still social media. Uh, it scares me to think uh, of what I and, and my friends would have done at the age of 16 with access to porn on online at any time we wanted it. I, I don't even, it's, it's, it's scary to think about, knowing what I know about boys at that age. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. The age for boys to see porn is now nine. Nine. And as a psychologist, what is the effect of that on a nine-year-old boy? Or girl, but especially a boy. I, either one, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, not, not good. And we're seeing that come out as they get older, as they're teenagers, especially as they're young adults. It's, you'd think in this era that you would have more young adults uh, being sexually active. And, in fact, fewer are. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who have speculated that's why because pornography is almost a substitute, or it gives young people such a distorted view of sexuality that they're not so sure that they want to participate. And how much of a problem is TikTok, uh, Jean? Yeah, well, TikTok started out, maybe it's, been, maybe it's just a couple cool dances, but now there is so much negative content on TikTok, and its algorithm is known as being the most sticky it draws people in and they stay on the app because it feeds them exactly what the algorithm thinks they want, but often it takes a dark turn. So that's been become a really big problem. And there are a lot of challenges that they're posted on TikTok and kids have died from some of the challenges, like the blackout challenge of hold your breath or hang yourself until, I mean, it's terrible. I think it's hard to even talk about. But, but what causes the addiction I mean, it's obviously it's not a chemical. What? How does something like this cause an addiction? I mean, I, you know, people, kids were addicted to watching TV at night when they were, you know, in the fifties and sixties. But that was a, a word that was used. But you're actually talking about real addiction here. How does that happen with something that's not a drug? Well. Addiction isn't just about drugs, mm-hmm. so you can apply that term to say gambling. Okay. Which is yeah. addictive. Yeah. The behavioral addiction, so might be about the same that you get the intermittent rewards as you are on social media with likes and followers or seeing fun videos and so on as you scroll through and it's tough to put it down because you keep getting the little dopamine hits. What are schools doing about this uh Gene or not doing about it? Um, which is unfortunate because most schools allow kids to have access to their phones during the day. That would be another common sense solution is no phones during the school day, bell to bell. And kids can focus in class and then they can actually talk to each other at lunch. And why is That's one that sticks with me. I went to school a million years ago. I went to Catholic school. But with the way that school was run, if, if, we had had, if there had been such a thing as a smartphone – the idea that they would let them in the building for more than 30 seconds, it just never would have happened. Uh, how, does, how does a teacher not know that what a huge distraction it is, or, and not just a teacher, but a, someone who's in charge of running a school district or a principal or whatever, how do they, how do they not know that this is obvious, that people like you are been, uh, have been warning them about this stuff? How hard would it be to just say, you, you can't bring a phone in here. Leave it in your car or leave it at home. You're not bringing it here. There's, there's a number of factors. I mean, I, I think also there's also been a lot of denial. Um, oh, you know, it's fine. Individual teachers can handle it. Or if we just tell the kids to put them away, that'll work. But it doesn't. It's also parents. There are parents who say, no, I want to be able to reach my kid at any moment of every day. 
why? I don't know. But that's been one of the things is that a lot of principals tell me they get pushback from parents. Well, and I'm out of time, but uh, that that's a though we have now we're now dealing with parents who grew up with social with with uh, if we're not now soon going to be dealing with parents who had smartphones. So it's going to really be tough. Perhaps. Hey, Gene, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's Gene Twangy, and her book is iGen. Why today's super-connected kids are growing up less rebellious, more tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden commenting on recent objects that have been shot down in U.S. and Canadian airspace. He said early study indicates the objects were not for spy purposes. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. The president said three recent incidents still under investigation. A town meeting held in East Palestine, Ohio, after a train derailment produced a toxic chemical spill and fire. After the meeting, this woman says she still wants answers. I honestly feel that the Palestine, the, the police department, the fire department, all the first responders... They don't have the answers to give us because I don't think they know. They're not getting the straight answers either. Meanwhile, the administrator of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is slated to visit East Palestine today. This is SRN News. We're entering a time of increasing hostility against people of faith. A time when Christians are going to be tested on a moral and physical and financial basis, unlike any other time in our lifetime. I'm Lance Wallnow, Christian author, evangelical leader, here to remind you that you have to take action to protect and steward what God has given you. For example, record high inflation is going to continue to eat away at the dollar, and the savings of your retirement account is in danger. Fortunately, God does provide a way to protect your retirement. I recommend diversifying your 401k or IRA out of paper and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with a gold IRA from Birch Gold Group. Now, to see how it works, just text the word FAITH to 989898. That'll give you access to a free info kit on gold IRAs. There are no strings attached, so text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 right now, and I pray your family is blessed with peace of mind because you took action. Okay, we admit it. Pittsburgh is famous for steel. But what about all the other things we're famous for? Take 1980, when we invented the emoticon. How's that for a smiley face? And the terrible towel. Come on, who else can turn a common household item into a sports icon? The Big Mac? Yeah, that was us in 1967. So we figured if we like it, so will America. And boy, were we right. You get it. We get it. But this station gets you. AM 1250. The answer. Hey, John Stoggerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Do you have a loved one entering a nursing home? There's a lot at stake. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Depending on your family's long-term care goals, there are important decisions that should be made before a facility is needed. Talk to a qualified legal professional today. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we can help your family navigate the complicated Medicaid rules so that you can properly save some or all of your life savings from a long-term care crisis. Before you apply, contact Abernathy and Hagerman at a-h.law. What's the best product I bought this year? Oh, that's easy. Salon Paz Pain Relieving Patches. The proven medicines in Salon Paz Patches reduce my pain and let me do the things I need to do every day. In a recent clinical study, patients using Salon Paz reported improved sleep, mood, and the ability to work. They had less pain and were able to reduce their use of oral pain medications. For pain, I use Salon Paz. It's good medicine. He sent me to. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. There'll be some rain around a thunderstorm too tonight, becoming less windy, the low 35. A rain or snow shower to start tomorrow, otherwise cloudy skies, less windy, colder though, with a high only 42. 
Taking a look at the weekend ahead, sunny to partly cloudy Saturday, staying cold with a high 41. Partly sunny, milder on Sunday, we're going up to 53. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Rose Tamburino. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Hey, remember road trips? Road trips were different from trips, you know, that you went on with your parents when you were a kid. Uh, there's a famous scene in the movie Animal House when one of the guys yells, Road trip! And everybody knew exactly what that was and everybody knew what was, what was going to follow that. But Victoria Marshall of the Federalist says that uh, liberals could be getting ready to make that one more American tradition that they're going to ruin. She joins us now. Victoria, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So you start your story out by telling us about horse poop uh, to make a point (laughs) about electric vehicles. You want to explain that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I kind of go back into the the history of the turn of the century in New York City, where before kind of automobiles were the main method of how people got around, they had horse and buggies. They had horses to get them around. And in New York City, you know, at the turn of the century, they had as many as 200,000 horses um, living in the uh, the, the island of Manhattan. And so that's a lot of horse poop that they had to deal with. So, you know, New York, New Yorkers were, were used to dealing with mounds of horse poop all over the city, just so they could have their freedom of mobility, just so they could get around the city. So my point is, is that uh, Americans have put up with, a, you know, are, are willing to put up with a lot to have their freedom of mobility. And so they're not going to give that up anytime soon mm-hmm. because of the, the, the legacy of, 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 you know, really, really working for this freedom of transportation, freedom of mobility, which the automobile has specifically given us now, especially with gas powered cars. And so now that Americans, after that whole history of dealing with horse poop, they can go wherever <laughs> they want, whenever they want. And all they need is just a, a car and, uh, you know, and gasoline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the left is trying to take that away by, by forcing us to switch to switch to electric vehicles, and that's that's just not practical for the average American. Yeah, for some so reason... That's, that's kind of the connection I make in the story. Yeah, it was a good one, too. For, uh, and uh, for some reason, liberals hate mobility. They don't like it. They've talked about 15-minute cities and all that stuff. I had a friend who uh, worked for Disney World, and he told me they had a guy whose only job was to... Uh, well, first of all, they had two jobs. There was a guy who followed... When they had the horses walking through the park... There was a guy who followed behind him, and as soon as the poop hit the ground, he he had he was on the radio, and somebody came and, and got it out of there. And you think about yeah. thousands of horses doing that every day, and and that you talk about pollution. That must have been mm-hmm. na- nasty. Yeah, yeah it, it must have been for sure. So so, <laughs> but so we've come a long way. So oh we yeah, don't want to give up what we have now. No, no, not at all. So how does an EV electric vehicle make it hard, if not impossible, to do what the guys in Animal House did? You know, just go. Yeah, of course. So, well, the thing is, is that uh, having an electric vehicle, you have to charge it every couple of hours when the battery runs dead. But the problem is, is that unlike gas stations, which are prevalent th- everywhere throughout the United States, because everyone gets around normally with a car in the, the U.S., um, there, there are less charging stations for your electric cars. So if you want to go on a road trip with an electric vehicle, you have to plan your route and make sure, uh, y- you know, you know, you're going to, you're going to be able to find a charging station for your car. Um, and, and they're not as prevalent, like I said, as, as gas stations. So you might not be able to find one um, or you might not be able to make it uh, with, you know, with however long your battery lasts. And then, and then when you get to the charging station, you have to wait as much as an hour to charge your electric vehicle. Um, and sometimes, you know, the plug won't work or, you know, different companies own different charging Stations, and then you have to figure out billing information. If you don't have access to the internet, you know you have to con- you have to connect with Wi-Fi. It's just all of these different like roadblocks, which is a pun to to just the the road trip. Whereas if you just have a gas-powered car, you know there's gas stations everywhere. Uh, you'll be able like there's really no barrier to entry with just driving out in the American open road. Whereas with electric vehicle, it's really hard to just go on go on a road trip. Yeah. You have to think through all these different all these different factors, and it just kills the romanticism of the all American road trip. Yeah, I just I was just thinking of this uh, as you were talking about it. Uh, when I was in college, I was living in a in a dorm, and we got in a baseball argument about the Pirates, and mm-hmm. and I I don't remember what the argument was about, but somebody said, "Let's go see the Pirates right now," 
Well, they happened to be playing in St. Louis, and it was 10 o'clock at night, and we got in the car, we left and headed for St. Louis, which was about yeah. 500 miles away. And you, and can't, I, I you couldn't that. do that now. Yeah, you can't do that now. So it kills that spontaneity. It yeah. kills me. It's like it's killing the American spirit. And I just, yeah, it, it just, it's, it's not practical. And Americans are not going to want to make the switch to electric vehicles. One, because they're way more expensive. They're $20,000 at least at least, and um, more. You mean twenty thousand more? Yeah, yeah. twenty thousand dollars more. Yeah, than the average gas-powered car. Mm-hmm. And then you just have all these barriers to to to, to driving it. I mean, you have to figure out charging. Uh, you know, some if in, in the last year, California had a major heat wave in the summer, and um, they had rolling blackouts. And so, what happens when you want to charge your electric vehicle? You you can't. So then, your freedom of mobility is gone. Well, I say it many times here, and I, when, as you mentioned California, you know, you've seen pictures of what their freeways, which is a bad name for what they're basically moving parking lots, but their they're freeways out there in L.A., um, that, uh, what they look like. And I say it here many times, I'm sitting here uh, in Pittsburgh atop what's known as the Green Tree Hill, which is the uh, entrance and exit to downtown Pittsburgh at, at morning and, and, and evening rush hour, and I just... I just say, look out what's around you right now here at 541 in rush hour traffic and imagine every one of those cars needing to go home and be plugged in. Or, or yeah. the, uh, the, uh, that? How is that ever going to work? Yeah, no, it, no, it's, it's crazy. It just doesn't make sense. It's because the left wants to, uh, you know, reduce our dependence on, on, on oil and gas and put those industries out of business because they have aversion to carbon emissions because mm-hmm. of climate change right. but they forget that the, the, the electric vehicles just the manufacturing of one electric vehicle alone causes like two times the amount of carbon emissions than it does for a normal gas-powered car uh, and then in some studies also say that um, electric vehicles are worse for the environment than gas-powered cars so we still need to have that debate it's not just oh these are just better for the environment no it's not and it, it's also it's just not as practical for the average american they're way more expensive um, you just you don't have that freedom of mobility that you have with a gas-powered car. So they shouldn't be trying to force Americans um, to 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 go elect go electric at all. I mean, I remember um, in, in kind of earlier this this year, um, you know, Pete Buttigieg said, "Oh, when when gas prices were so high, he said, oh, all Americans just go electric.' Like that's yeah, that's ridiculous." Yeah, right. We're talking to Victoria Marshall, the Federalist, um, and you can find her piece at thefederalist.com. In the piece that you wrote, you made reference to a, a, a story in Axios, A-X-I-O-S, that's a liberal magazine, uh, and the, the, the column that you saw there, or the article you saw there, was meant, as you're saying here, uh, to persuade people to go electric. So did you see anything in there that might do that, that you saw that, well, yeah, I can see where people might lean toward electric, if, they, if that makes some sense? Um. I, I honestly. You can say than, no. You can say. No. <laughs> I, I really didn't see that. I mean, yeah. they describe it's really a puff piece for a Kia's electric vehicle, the EV6, and they call it. They characterize the the EV6 as roomy and comfortable with mm-hmm. a lot of advanced technology. So, you know, gadgets and touch screens, and it probably smells nice. But uh, honestly, it's not practical for a road trip. That that's kind of what the article. The article was actually supposed to convince Americans that electric vehicles are doable. Like you, you, you can do a road trip with them. But it convinced me of the opposite. That wow, I would never want to do a road trip with if I owned an electric vehicle you, because just of the logistical challenges of trying to figure out with your route. Like you can't just go wherever you want. You can't just take the fastest route. You have to plan out your route according to where the charging stations are. And then when you get to a charging station, you know, you have to hope to God that the, the plug will work because that's one problem they, they ran into in, with the article. They had inoperable plugs. You know, they had glitchy touch screens for the charging stations. They had to figure out payment information because the companies that own the, there's different companies that own each charging station. So they had to make sure that they had enough Wi-Fi in order to connect to, you know, uh, you know, enter payment information through an app. And then, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just uh, like it's just completely impractical, I-, I think, and I think the article proved that sometimes. And, and also, yes, you also have to like for some, depending on the quality of the charger, it can take as much as an hour to charge your yeah, car, yeah. charge your vehicle. So, and a lot of times with road tripping, time is of the essence. 
And so you're not going to want to wait an hour for your car to charge on the side of the road. No, nope. Like, that's ridiculous. That just kills the point. Uh, that, that eliminates me from the road trip right there. Not mm-hmm. going. Sorry. Exactly. Um, and I, I've had, I had a guest on here. It might have been someone from the Federalist who wrote a piece about um, the money that was sent to the various states by the federal government for the, um, f- to, to uh, produce charging stations for electric vehicles. And mm-hmm. um, one example was they spent forty-seven, forty-four, forty-seven, forty-four million dollars. They they gave to the state of West Virginia to um, install charging stations. And there are one thousand at the time of the story. There were one thousand and one electric vehicles in West Virginia, which meant that the federal government was spending forty-four or forty-seven thousand dollars per car. To, um, oh to, to have a um, to have a charging station and in in Wyoming there are like uh, 380 electric cars and they sent 27 27 million dollars to Wyoming for charging stations and the state of Wyoming actually turned the money down so we can't not, we can't uh, use it so that's that's good for them. yeah that's a subsidy to the rich yeah yeah because the only people that own electric vehicles that's the American taxpayer subsidizing the rich right and with you, their electric vehicles, because people can't afford electric vehicles. They they rep, they only make up like five percent of new car sales, yeah. and they only represent one percent of all cars on the road total. Yeah, like, that's, that's ridiculous. A, that was my next question. If you watch TV, uh, based on the number of commercials you see, including in the Super Bowl, I, I, I'm sure there were several uh, for new electric models. You'd think it's a, a craze that's sweeping the country, but it's not, is it? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. I mean, people aren't making the switch to electric vehicles. Only the rich and wealthy. But still, it's not really significant because, like I said, it only electric vehicles only represent only five percent of new car sales. It's just propaganda that's just been thrown at us. It doesn't actually represent reality at all. Um, also, people can't afford it with inflation. How with how crazy right. inflation is now, what the economy's like, people can't just buy a new car that's twenty thousand dollars more than their typical gas-powered car. I'm a little too busy myself to do this, but I wish somebody would take a survey and ask the average, just ask people, what percentage of uh, people do you think are buying electric cars these days? I'll bet that the answer would be 25%. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Because that's that's what we're conditioned to believe with social media, with the news, with, you know, Super Bowl commercials. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the idiots in charge in California think they can force people to buy electric. What is it, 2035? Yeah, they're going to ban uh, the sale of all new gas-powered cars. And they, that's just do, it's just so how, misguided. How do they think that's going to work? I, I, I just they, – they, this is because they say so. That In a place like California where the, the car is what made California uh, what it is – that they're going to yes. just that people are going to just give up that freedom. They they just think they can. Obviously, they think they can because they did it. They they passed the, mm-hmm. the. I don't know if it's a law yet, but it's a, a proposal. Is it a law? In twenty thirty five, will it become law? Uh, I think so, but I mean, I it has to be challenged. That's just absolutely ridiculous. But of course, you know, the, the regulations to do business in California are just insane. That's why a lot of companies are moving out of that state. One, it's just way too expensive. Well, seven, um, but it's just insane. Yeah, 700,000 people have moved out. I just saw that today. Uh, 700,000 mm-hmm, yeah. people are moving out of there. Uh, and I don't know why anybody would want to live there. Uh, I have a couple minutes left here with Victoria Marshall, the Federalist. I wanted to ask you because I saw another piece you had up there at the Federalist today that's going to annoy my wife a lot. Uh, she, mm-hmm. has, she has a flip phone and prides herself on never having used a smartphone, doesn't want one, hates them. She said, "Really, and we just had a segment on this uh, before we had you on about how they're what the, the damage they're doing to kids, especially teenage girls." So uh-huh, you yeah. have a piece up there today about uh, smartphones. What was that all about? Yeah, well, basically, my my argument was is that just looking around um, in in the West, a lot of first world countries. Um, the infrastructure for existing without a smartphone is steadily decreasing. Um, and you, 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 and uh, COVID kind of really uh, exponentially kind of made this happen m- much faster um, just because with um, a lot of the safety precautions that uh, restaurants or, you know, in public institutions or, you know, 
airports kind of implemented in the wake of the pandemic, um, they've just made permanent. So I'm talking about QR code menus. Um, you need to you need to phone in order to download. You know, you you don't get you don't have a physical menu anymore. Or um, you know, when you're boarding a plane, you have to uh, show your boarding pass through your phone. So it's a digital boarding pass. Um, it just seems more and more like. Uh, just as I'm, you know, going about whether I'm traveling or I'm, I'm in the city or I'm trying to access something, maybe, um, at a, you know, a, a medical facility, I need to do something with my phone. And then that makes me think, well, what about with people who don't have their phones? So it, it worries me because it's actually just encouraging phone addiction. And uh, obviously, uh, like you mentioned before, uh, with teenage girls and, 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 and their use of, of their phones and therefore social media, that's not good for their health. And, and, and Americans are just addicted to their phones in general, and that's, it's not good for their health at all. And so it worries me that as a society, we're, we're, we're just making people have to have a phone in order to live. Yeah. And I think that's a bad development. So good for your wife for having a flip phone. And you, you uh, made reference to someone who I guess is kind of like my wife, uh, Jen Wasserstein, an immigration lawyer in Spain. She wrote for The Guardian. Mm-hmm. Describes yeah. the, the shame she endures. My wife doesn't endure shame. She just she's pretty defiant about it. But you know, I know okay, what this woman good, is saying. Good for her. Yeah, yeah. So this woman, she wrote a column for the Guardian. She says that she gets like weird looks when she asks people for directions because they assume that she can just look up directions on her phone. Yeah. But she obviously doesn't have a smartphone, so she can't do that. Or one time she was traveling and she had to fill out this uh, health form uh, around COVID. And in order to fill it out, she needed a smartphone because they had to, she had to download a QR code. And the uh, the attendants at her gate or the airport attendants could not understand why she couldn't fill out the form or show the form. And they weren't letting her travel. Um, and, uh, but she said, I don't have a smartphone. I only have a flip phone. So some nice fellow traveler uh, let her use their smartphone and she was able to, tra- able to travel. But that's just ridiculous that she wasn't able to travel without access to a smartphone. You know what's happening, too? And this is something that my wife ran into. She was trying – it was a government uh, agency that she was having to deal with, and uh, she was trying to uh, get some information and fill out a form or something. And mm-hmm. they it said uh, – and I think I, I, I went online and I looked for it, and uh, and the, she ran into a roadblock because they said to, to make sure that we have the proper person here, you know, to check your – to uh, ensure your identity, we'll send you a text. Oh yeah, She's got a flip phone. She can't. She can't link to the. She can't link to it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She couldn't open up the internet from the text. Yeah, yeah. And so she's yeah. a, she's a bad person now. She's uh, you. She can't. Sorry, you can't be a part of society because you don't have a flip phone. Yeah. See, that, that really worries me. Um, obviously. Any kind of governmental organization or institution that's doing that should have an alternative for users who don't have smartphones. Yeah, and if they, you know, issue an ultimatum saying, "Well, you have to do this, or you can't have the service," that is that is just despicable to me, and um, that 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 should that should be illegal, frankly. Yeah, and and what can you do about it? You you write that people should band together and advocate for the right to exist without a phone, but how do you yeah. how do you do that? I think, well, first, I think you, it's about convincing people. So just, you know, uh, convincing people that just having conversations with your friends and your family about, I've noticed that, you know, it's, it's weird that, that, that you, things you normally do and get by with without having a smartphone, you know, have to have. Um, and, then, and then if it gets, if it gets really bad, we could maybe try and um, um, influence lawmakers or, or try and, try and get legislation together. Um, but right now it's about kind of making people aware of what's happening and also making, hopefully waking people up to their addiction to their own smartphones. Yeah, It's not good for society when everyone's just on social media all day or, you know, on their phone for nine hours out of the day. Like that's, that's horrifying. And uh, we, we should be living untethered. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, my goal is to someday, Again, I'm a little too busy to make this happen myself, but have a national leave your phone at home day, and no, and just know oh, that every great. everybody everybody's walking around without a cell phone, uh, without a smartphone. That's great. I I love that idea. It'll never happen, but it's you know it's one to, <laughs> it's something you can dream, I guess. Hey. Uh huh. Yeah. Of course. Victoria, really, thanks for being on here. Two great columns at thefederalist.com. You can check them out. Thanks, Victoria Marshall. Thank you for having me. Okay, we'll be right back. 
have unfiled taxes or are in debt to the IRS? This is important news. The IRS just rolled out a new program to help struggling taxpayers more easily resolve their tax problems. It's called the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, and it opens up powerful new options for people looking to get back on the right track with the IRS. And no one knows this program like the professionals at Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution company. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients and have the expertise and experience to help you. One easy call to Optima can start the process, helping to put an end to your worries of wage garnishment, asset seizure, and other aggressive IRS actions. Make today the beginning of your fresh start with the IRS. Call the experts at Optima Tax Relief now for your free confidential consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about horse poop uh, today on the show. Uh, we've got a way to work that in there. Um, that, and, and it's interesting that when you think about people concerned about pollution from cars, just think about New York City. And if someone, if they hadn't, if we hadn't had someone uh, invent the automobile, if every car that you saw in rush hour today in, in New York City was a horse with, you know, you know, they're not real. They don't have a whole lot of um, concern for when they poop and just the streets filled with it. That, imagine what that smelled like back then. Anyway, uh, and that and the other thing with, with the smartphones, um, I can remember as a kid in the 60s, we were promised for a long time. We were told, you know, in 10 years, they're going to have phones where you can actually see the person. I mean, I was hearing that when I was 10 years old, where you can actually see the person you're talking to. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to be here in 10 years. Well, they, I heard that for like 40 years before it actually happened, or maybe, I don't know, longer than that. And now they're here, and they're kind of, and there's a lot of good things about it, but I also think that the ability of, of people to have a portable video camera that they can carry with them and record everything that they do all day, every day, is one of the worst things ever to happen to the human race. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.